Coming to you live from the remains of the Sydney Football Stadium, it's the Rugby League Cemetery. Well, this is the Rugby League Cemetery. It's very good to have you with us for the first episode uh, of what really is our only lifeline uh, during these difficult times of coronavirus and lockdown. Uh, there's no football on. Today's Good Friday. We should be watching uh, what probably would have been a terrible game between South Sydney and Canterbury. And instead, uh, we're not watching anything uh, because everything's locked down and notwithstanding future plans for Rugby League Island, it might be for some time. And accordingly, uh, we've had to find a solution. We've had to find an answer and we've stumbled upon the Rugby League Cemetery. Uh, the concept is very simple. We're going to go back through the games of the past. We're going to dig up dead football and, uh, and have a look at it, see what kind of condition it's in a few years later. And we're starting with a gravesite, which you'd have to say has always had flowers put by it. It's always got visitors on Sunday mornings. The 1989 grand final between the Canberra Raiders and the Balmain Tigers. My name is Morgan Campbell. I've got Luke Garrity with me. And Gaz, watching this for the very first time, uh, you... After, after your viewing this morning, you, you made a call which, I, which frankly stunned me to hear from a Newcastle Knights supporter. You said it, it, it might be the best game you've ever seen. It might be the best grand final of all time. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, having sat through it objectively as a contest, that, that was a better game than the 97 grand final. And the 97 grand final, emotionally as a Knights fan, obviously, is the best thing I've ever seen. But as, as an actual con- that game was fantastic. The quality of the two teams that were actually going around there and the way it ebbed and flowed. Like, the, the Tigers, you walk away from that game and think how well the Tigers actually played, like, despite having not won the grand final. They were phenomenal. Like they, they somehow went, you know, not to, to jump ahead, went into half time, well up in the game, having been quite hammered for parts of the first half, where they just kept coming up with ways to stop tries, and the Raiders were phenomenal with the ball, yet on zero points for quite, quite a stint of it. It was just a phenomenal game of football. Very yeah, emotional, it's, watching it's, it even this time later. It's emotional and it's kind of theatre, isn't it? It's like this... Mm, yeah. Th- there's this crazy drama about the whole match, like from the start. Yeah, you know, you yeah get the, absolutely. The, the first... I, I was really, like, gripped by the first tackle of the game. The Raiders kick off and Gary Jack catches it on the full and just belts it back at them. And I, I don't know how much footage you've seen of Gary Jack, but he seemed to do that all the time. He just to catch the ball and charge back at the defence. Um and it's like, whoa, we're in a game here. <laughs> you know, when the first hit is that hard, uh, you know you're on for a day. And that's pretty much what oh, it's yeah. like. I was very impressed with Gary Jack. So I obviously haven't seen him play before at all. So um, obviously with my age, so I was born in 89. So I'm sort of mid-90s is where my, my first memories, solid memories of the football come. And that was one of the things I was really looking forward to is watching how many good players were in that game. If you go through your, your Gary Jackson, your, your Pierces and your Roach, Sirenins, and then obviously Meninga, Daly, Stewart, all these guys, Clyde, that we didn't quite get to see. You know, you're only yeah. you're too younger than me. We but didn't get to people... see those players, um, certainly in their prime. And, and they're all and, names that you remember now, yeah. that everybody remembers yep. now. That they're not, they're yep. not oh, like you have to know a bit about no. football to remember who Wayne Pierce was or Brad Clyde or any of these people. No. They, they're still legends of the game. And, that, and that's the thing. It, it must have been an enormous occasion at the time because there would have yeah. been probably a dozen State of Origin players on the field. 
Yeah, yeah, well, and there's a good mix of them being at the sort of their end. It's quite funny. One thing that strikes me about the game that you don't think looking back, because A, you know the result, and B, you know what Canberra did in the 90s, is that the Tigers must have gone into that as favourites. I looked yeah. at the ladder, so they finished ahead of them there, and those guys are at their peak, like your Sirenans, your Blockers, your, your Pierces and Gary Jacks. They're, they're at their, they're their big names, Elias, at the sort of the peak of their career, whereas those Raiders, you know, like Glenn Lazarus is 23 years old, Laurie Daly's 19, Sticky, Sticky would be, you know, in his early 20s, he'd only started a year or two before. I think that those guys are all right at the beginning, apart from Mal. Your biggest names there on the Raiders side, Brad Clyde would be pushing 20. Yeah. They're all right at the beginning of, of their careers. And it's quite interesting watching it back. Um, you sort of look at it now and assume that the Tigers were the underdogs, like with being, yeah, you knowing think, what Canberra they, went on to do. Yeah. You think, how did yeah. they get that close? You know, it's like the, the, that Raiders side became the biggest thing yeah. and they were $15 million over the salary cap and all of that. But, but at the time, you're right, they finished fourth and Belmont had made the grand final the year before. Um, we, we were going to talk about uh, that first 10 or 15 minutes where they just, there's a quote, and I, I want to, I want to mention the commentary of this match. Now I know you watched it on, on KO and you've got the, yeah. the recent broadcast, Dan Ganane and Michael Ennis and all this. I've watched it on YouTube with the original commentary, the original Sydney commentary. I want to explain the format to you here. Three play-by-play commentators. Yeah. <laughs> Graham Hughes. <laughs> yeah. Graham Hughes, Rex Mossop, and Ian Maurice, all Jesus. every five minutes taking the ball off each other, so interchanging over the course of the game. So you just Do all you of a sudden. Rex Mossop was into that. I wouldn't have thought. He did. Yeah, I think, good job, Cher. <laughs> I think only doing sort of thirty percent of the talking would have not really suited him. <laughs> yeah, that's but, there's, but there's a moment early in the game, after about 15, 20 minutes, where the moose, who's very earnest about these things, he says they can't keep this pace up. Some player's going to have a heart attack. No human being was designed. <laughs> no human being was designed to withstand this. Yeah, wow, Which, that's really good. It's gonna, <laughs> sort of says it all, doesn't it? Well, if it gives you a bit of an insight of what the game was like, you know, the moose. It, it, it's seen it, it's, some football at that point. I think that's fair. Like he, he's seen enough to be to be sort of he's put uh, dropping that sort of talk in the first twenty. Yeah, it's um. It's when you mentioned the the first twenty. There's a couple of things. You know what really stuck out at me immediately, having watched that that game, yeah. but the, watching the first twenty minutes, is um, first of all, Mal Meninga took nearly all the kicks despite playing centre. Yeah, and he's playing centre on both sides of the field, which is a um, you know wonderful to to sort of watch. But Ricky Stewart didn't kick the ball until the first until the twentieth minute. And you can watch that back, not in distance. He might have kicked near his own try line or something, but kicking distance, every kick they took came from the centre. Like yeah, and for the Tigers... Like watching a game now, yeah. And for the Tigers, backdoor Benny does all the kicking for them. Gets out he either does. from dummy yeah. half or jumps out of yeah. dummy half and gets gets it at first receiver mm. and boots it downfield. It's almost like they wanted the best, the person who was best at kicking the ball to do all the kicking, which I know sounds very naive. Yeah. You know, and yeah. very alien like to, the way, to the way football's played now, where whoever happens to be number seven does all the kicking. But yeah. they seem to organise it around who was good at things. Well, it's a, it's a bit of the funny thing about that is that I agree with you, but but it was very funny to think at hindsight they didn't think Ricky Stewart could yeah. because he kicked him to death at the in, in extra time. But yeah, at the end of the um, game. with Meningo, it just really struck. The first twenty minutes was very expensive. He went into his shell a bit later when it, when they were all a bit tired. But in the first twenty, he gets the ball on both sides of the field, in the middle, on the edge. He passes a lot. I've not obviously 
you know, he, he retired as I was starting to be old enough to enjoy the game. And you think of him, everyone talks to him as this big unit that's hard to tackle. He was very skillful in that game. He does a lot of clever passing. He, he runs the ball, he passes, he looks inside and goes away. He was very, very clever. And it's sort of, I sort of think anyone in the modern game that, that's, it's a bit late now for English, obviously, but people who are coaching Latrell Mitchell or coaching English should have been watching that because it's almost like just because the guy was playing at centre, you... you you could get him into the game by being clever enough to actually coach. So there's no reason yeah. that centers can't move across. The, if you happen to have a guy who should be playing at center, it doesn't mean he has to stick in one tunnel of the field. They no. got him over the field. He kicks it well. So he kicked, he passes well. So, so he passed and they, they used that. And I certainly think with Inglis, that Inglis was one, I always thought at the peak of his career, he was a wonderful fullback, but either side of that peak, he wasn't quite fit enough to play there, especially as his, as his knee got hurt late on. And he could have been doing a lot of this when he was he past have, his best footy. He couldn't cover the field at fullback, but he could have been roaming in attack and doing these things, kicking the football, passing the football and being used like Meninga was and having those spells and coming in and out of the game. And I think it's a real indictment on how they coach centres today that those, those sorts of guys aren't used the way Mal was because he was phenomenal. He was, very, um, he was almost the centrepiece of their attack. In yeah. that game was well, there's center. nothing about Inglis. There's, there's nothing about Inglis, for example. There's no reason he couldn't have done all the stuff that he did in attack without, without running around at fullback chasing the ball all the time. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, an incident early in the game, which I'm, I was stunned by. I had, I've watched this game before. I had no recollection of it. There's a moment, it's about 10, 15 minutes in. The Raiders on the attack. They swing the ball to the left. Brad Clyde makes a half break. They swing the ball over to the right. The ball hits the deck. Towed ahead by Benny Elias, 40 metres upfield, right? It's a wild attacking play by the Raiders. Benny toes it up the, up the field. Chica Ferguson goes back and rescues the ball. Then he takes off back up the other way, is grasped on about the 30. Gary Freeman, the, the, Bill Harrigan's already said no advantage and called it back. But Gary Freeman, they, they do another ruck, dead play, mind you, because the, like the ref's back on the 20 metre line. They play another ruck. Gary Freeman gets into a fight with the marker, or with the play the ball, and they give a penalty to the Raiders. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it was. There was a. It, it's funny you say that. It was quite stunning. Very something similar that jumped out at me only because you mentioned the kick um, of Elias was how much they just took stuff on like that. Like you yeah. get the ball on the ground and it's like Tim Brasher did something I thought you were going to mention then is they, they kicked the ball and Tim Brasher's just towed it ahead off a knock back off Canberra. And Canberra 20 metres out attacking the Colossus Island dropped the ball backwards and instead of diving on it he tows the damn thing 30 metres and goes chasing after it. Yeah. Like there's that, that ability to just see it and just take off on plays and really wildly take it on which was, was very interesting. There's a couple um, of moments like, like Elias at one point when the Raiders are absolutely going them on their line Balmain get the ball back inexplicably. Benny Elias takes a hit up and goes the flick pass out the back under his own post, ten meters out. Yeah, that, and then that they throw it wide. Thing. They throw it wide again. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it might be Curio yeah. drops the ball. What, yeah. what are you doing, boys? It's that was like, just phenomenal football. I was up on my feet for that. He's going a massively <laughs> flick pass from, from, after this bad pass goes to him. He throws this immaculately <laughs> flick pass out and they just go flying down the wing for no reason with nothing doing. It's, it's, like, it's just that's the way football was supposed to be played. It's, 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 it's like, I think it's like, it's like football before the era of occupational health and safety. You know, there's yeah. just no, there's no protect. There's no, it's incredibly naive kind of just chuck it around, see if this works. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I, I was going to say, who broke the accord? Because it's almost like there's, a, there's an accord between both teams to do that. Like the, yeah. Because the Tigers do that, Canberra do it back. And they just keep trying. So I want to know at what point in history someone broke that agreement and started playing percentage football to the point that the other team had to do it. Like when did, where did it break where yeah. you just go, well, you'll try it all on. And in exchange, we won't play with the ball either. We're just going to throw it around and, 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 and pretty much take anything on we see. And at some point in history, that's ended. And it's very sad. And I'd like to know whose fault it is. It's to all of our, it's to all, it's to all of our detriments, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, it's phenomenal the way there are, the skill out. There are quite a few times in that, particularly early in the game, where the ball is just that both teams go attack one yeah. after the other. One team hooks the ball upfield, and the other one goes back. There's one where Ricky Stewart makes a break down the short, like um, down mm. the touchline, off a off a long kick, all that sort of thing. Um, it's incredible. It, it's like it's almost like watching a different game. Oh, it is. It is. It's phenomenal. Um, one thing I, I just heard, I, I brought up Tim Brasher there. That, that's one just for me. I didn't realise Tim Brasher had died in that game. Um, no, neither did I. And I didn't realise there was ever a time where Tim... It, it's very... Well... <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you can say. Yeah. But <laughs> what stuck out at me immediately, I always can say... It was just odd to see Tim Brasher not looking like the lead singer of R.E.M. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah, really sort of look like Michael Klim's brother for most of the yeah, time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Which is a good look, but I, I was, I was a little bit stunned by that. I give you a very good, I, I know you didn't get the, you didn't watch the original commentary. There were a few real pieces of, of magic that I want to share with one of them, you know, so off that penalty, Mel Meninga takes the goal, the, the penalty kick and misses. And yeah. so I think it's Gary Jack takes a dropout from the 20 meters. So the penalty goal has gone dead. Gary Jack launches this kick. And it bounces on the quarter line yeah. up the other end. And Graham Hughes, to his eternal credit, says, oh, he hasn't got that as well as he'd like. <laughs> it bounced on the 20. It bounced 50 metres up. went into the end goal. And then ended up in the end goal. goal. Yeah. That's right. Mental. A wonderful call. Yeah, he didn't get that as well as he'd like, just as it was, you know. You've, yeah. um, you've, you've, you've teed me off there for something I wanted to talk about by talking about goal kicking. Now, yeah. one thing that really jumped out at me, now, I don't know if they mentioned this, but I had Ganane calling mentioned. So Meninga kicks at 61%, right? Yeah. And, um, and was it Courier that kicked for the Tigers? Yeah, the Palm. Um, yeah. Courier, yeah, so Courier had, a, had the third best kick percentage in the competition, kicking at 68 or something, yeah. like high 60s. Can I just make the point, why were they constantly taking penalty goals? Like they both took, I know Courier got his, but he, it was yeah. a pretty wide shot that he missed by him. He took one, actually took one for goal later from the same spot and missed it by about 15 yeah, well, metres. And it, when he kicked out, went for the try. And Meninga yeah. missed his horribly as well. Is that why in that era when they were kicking at basically a tick over 50%, were they taking difficult penalty? <laughs> Goals. Like, I know they do it now. They talk about the Wayne percentage play, and you and I both have our thoughts on that anyway. But like, why were they doing it when they were about a 50-50 chance of actually I, kicking it? Like, that's a fair question. The, the, the real highlight of the Courier penalty attempt, which he didn't kick to go 2-0 up, is hmm. the, the, the bad sand. So when they, did you yeah. notice this? The sand's no yeah, good. Yeah. So he, he yeah. empties the bucket. And one of the things about the bucket, by the way, I've got some thoughts on the bucket as well. The, hmm. the, the black sand bucket with the red, with the gold tape, which I just thought yeah. was very, I just thought was very charming. You just don't, you know. Um, yeah. He dumps the sand out, turns around to the team, uh, to the sand boy, and says, "It's no good. You can't make a castle out of it because it's too dry." Do so they do they keep the various conditioned sand during that? Like, can you go for well, the dry, wet sand in between? Percentage of sort of you know degree of wetness in the sand is that something or degree of moisture? I should say is that something they that that was part of the game? And I say, look, I don't know, but I think. I think you could definitely say that today, if you had the same kind of professionalism applied yeah. to rugby league, 
but nobody had thought to invent the Daryl Halligan super tee, yeah. you would probably have kind of, that, that would be a paid job at every club, a kind of sand yeah, composition specialist so. working, and then every club would have their own idea and possibly mm. come up on the, on the graphic on the screen, what percentage water, what percentage sand, sand concentration index, SCI. Yeah. There was the, well, the, the single, but none probably of them. right. Yeah. I think what you find would have happened is the NRL would have had to step in due to an, an arms race in spending on sand specialists. They'd end up having to have their own special salary cap, like the <laughs> management staff and the playing staff. There would have been an, ended up being a war for who could pay the greatest sand specialists yeah, who and would be stuck in now with a salary cap. Well, it'd dollars be a, per year on sand, uh, sand moisture. Much in the manner of who was the bloke at the Warriors last year? Corvo? Was that was Alex Corvo? Yeah. Was that his name? Doing the, the breathing. The, the breathing, yeah. You'd have a yeah. sand, you'd have a kind of sand whisperer come over from some foreign country and, you know, yeah. You wonder how that would have changed the 89 grand final if they'd done breathing exercises in the brain. Yeah, or so indeed if they'd had the hell speculate. Well, that's, <laughs> that's right. I think there were some breathing exercises towards the end. Um, yeah, that's right. Can you, have you got any... Uh, any thoughts about Gary Belcher? The, the, the commentary, the, the live commentary, very fond of Gary Belcher and kept talking up what a great game he had. I, I noted the kick that went into the end goal. He, he gets out from uh, against yep. all odds uh, from a kick into the end goal fairly early in the game. Unhelpfully, yeah. Brent Todd then throws an intercept to, to uh, James Grant and the Tiger score. But you yeah. can sort of, there are, there's enough in that game to see why he was so well, so well liked. Yeah, look, it's funny you say that because I one of the notes I made was that the same on the call I listened to, they were very complimentary of the game Belcher had and were saying that that Gary Jack had had a bit of a bit of a stinker and he did knock a couple of balls on that you might expect someone of his stature to catch. But um I I wrote a few things down on on players in positions of going mm. him versus him, who do I reckon won that won the game. And you know, I, I honestly like it's only one game, but having watched that game, I sort of left with the impression I preferred I preferred Gary Jack. I, I thought Belcher was fine. I don't mean to knock him. He had, he had a good game and he was he was fine. But I, I thought Gary Jack was just so dangerous. Every time he brought the ball back, he brought it back with his with his vigor and you yeah, know, hundred mile I an hour. Thought, yeah, I, I just got it just as a personal eye test on one game. I, I thought Belcher was good, but I, I sort of left thinking if I was building a side, I might have liked to have had Jimmy Jack in my in my team. Um, you know, I'm very big on on comparisons. Like I watch how someone plays and I sort of think they remind me of someone. Mm. And, you know, this you're probably going to think this one's a bit odd because he's obviously a much better player than the guy I'm comparing him to. But Jimmy Jack ran, ran, runs and brings the ball back quite a lot like Nathan Ross. Like he's this little <laughs> powerful. I know it's an odd comment. Well, he's a much better, better career than Nathan Ross. But do you know what I mean? Like he had this, he's this short guy without that much going on. And he brings it back with this power and this snap in his step and that the runs are just very vigorous and strong for a small small man without suppose, you know I suppose something like, about it just reminded me of him it's yeah, um, I mean, at a higher in, level in the 80s i, I suppose the, the the comp in those days was full of blokes like nathan ross right that kind of hmm. um and there's not many even left now but they you know because the games become a lot more physical and, and different types of bodies yeah. come in and all that but there would have been a time when someone like you know nathan ross probably would have been a much bigger kind of player than he, in the 80s than he would be now um just off that kind of thing, off being able to run hard and, you know, bust a couple of tackles and do all that. You didn't see Gary Jack doing any chiming into the line, putting people through gaps or any of that. Like, he's not, he's not a third half. No. Um, neither well, no, not only did you not see that, you didn't see that from the halfback, from Wiz. It was all off Benny Elias. He played halfback yeah. and hooker half the time. Yeah. It's phenomenal. He, he, um, 
we want to talk comparisons. He's, a, you know, if you put Robbie Farah in the 80s, that's probably, probably about what you get. He was yeah. just... Um, Benny's ability to, he was so clever out of nine, he would jump out and kick from halfback. He would get the ball at first or second receiver and run plays. He, he could kick. He's a, if you look at stylistic-wise, um, him and Farah have a lot of similarities in the way that they, they go about their business, their ability to basically be the halfback or a second halfback. And um, much like Farah, that's probably why we didn't see much of Wiz. It's probably quite a dominant, you know, uh, Farrah was yeah. always criticised for being that guy. And Elias was probably similar. Where, where when he's your hooker, he runs your side. He's your your halfback, your main man, then everything comes off and your halfback has a different role. I noticed Wiz ran the ball a lot, like a hell of a lot. He took a lot of hit-ups for a halfback and they, they obviously play off Benny, um, who was, I thought, um, to go positionally, I reckon uh, he would have been somewhere in the conversation to win the Churchill had they won the game. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about that. top couple, yeah. I was going to ask later on who you thought might have mm. won it if Balmain had won. I, I just want to kind of... Just on Gary Freeman, the other thing about him is he yep. got into a lot of scraps. He had that, he had that wonderful like small man niggle about him, which I really liked. Yeah. But I, can I just bring you a couple of uh, a couple more comments from the Moose? I can um, in one second. Can I just get you on Wiz for a second because you might have missed this. So Ganane's commentary raised the point that he'd only played ten games that year because he got done for an eye couch missed half the season. <laughs> I just thought that tied into what you just said quite well. Am I done? I think that's right. <laughs> he out. might have missed half the season for eye couch. <laughs> Well, that can, that can happen. You get that. Yeah. The, the, he makes an incredible cover tackle in the first half, and mm, which absolutely yeah. flattens himself. He, um, and then, gloriously, while he's getting treated about five in from touch, they pack the scrum about ten in from touch. And just he's just I saw there. That. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Like he needs a stretcher. Yeah, like he's out cold on the field, and they just pack the scrum right near him. Like those, that's in the days where they used to hit each other too in the scrum. And like the scrum would wheel over, and he could have uh, could have got trampled, but they didn't seem particularly bothered by it. So pre pre O H and pre O H and S, you see. Um, I just a couple of a couple of readings from the book of Moose, um, just on the, the the James Grant try. Uh, I think you've seen it as clearly and concisely as we can bring it to you that James Grant's got reflexes like a cat. He's got a wonderful way of contorting a sentence for no reason and twisting in all these different directions. He also says, we are seeing a game of rugby league that has pretty near every conceivable aspect of it going 100%. That's a very good way of saying the game's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it's, it's wonderful. It's fantastic language. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, did you get onto the trainer with wearing the aviators? I missed that. No. The, one of the Canberra goal kicks, it must have been... I'm not sure when it was, but Mal's lining up the goal kick. Mm. And for some reason, it's when they, they kick their first goal, I think, to go 6-2. Um, yep. For some reason, the Balmain trainer is treating Ciro right under the post in the way. And he gets, he gets sent off by the referee. Get out of the way. But he's this kind of tubby bloke in, a black, in like a grey T-shirt, but wearing aviators for no reason. I, just, I would like to know, you're talking about when things, certain things stopped in the game. I'd love to know yeah. when trainers stopped wearing sunnies out on the field. Well, they never should have. Nah, Sunnies well, exactly. Things, um, it should be still going on. The, um, on that note, uh, possibly on a slight, slightly more uh, serious but same vein note, can I sure. ask, what year did they change the rule about tapping the ball forward in the play the ball if there's no markers? Because that's, that's the wonderful. best rule that's very in the history funny. of the game. It, it, it's fantastic. Do you know what year they changed that? When no, I don't. I, I can. I, I don't know. Um, to my to my discredit, but 
it, it, I kind of do wonder, um, it, the thing that I notice about it is that it's generally the slowest and kind of least damaging players that used to do it in all the, yeah. like all the old football. It's always like someone who you sort of only want running the ball once, taking the second hitter, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> That's about right. another yeah, carry. Wasn't like that it, Jack or something? No, goes. like if that rule if that yeah. rule existed today, it'd be like Brad Parker would be doing a lot of tap and go, that kind of thing. You okay, know, I, I hope so. We can only we can dream. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a fantastic rule. Um, I think the only thing the the other thing that just occurred to me is I've seen a couple of old highlights of Benny Elias raking at the ball from Marker with his foot, and yeah. I don't know if that was allowed or not in the, by the eighty nine Grand Final. I need to check that as well. But they're two rules that if you want to like bring punters back to the game, I reckon striking think, having the markers rake out with their feet um, yeah. at people's hands playing the ball, I and then just, also that yeah, I just think yeah, grown men kind of kicking at each yeah. other. Um, I think Tal Malolo's one that could take real advantage of the no marker, like rolling over the top of people, no marker, and he just and goes go. again. You can't yeah. be having that. Like, it's really Wouldn't changed the game. No. <laughs> now, they, they um, get up to, if we can, do, Canberra have this passage in the game of maybe 20, mm. 25 minutes where they've just got all the ball and the Tigers yes. are completely headless and just like kamikaze throwing like passes on their own line, turning it over time after time after time. And then inexplicably, with a couple of minutes to half time, they score. The most incredible try, off the, off a kick, a sort of hoisted kick downfield that pitches in the dust. It's Courier who kicks it, who ends up yeah. getting the getting it back, uh, from I think James Grant, and uh, and hits the great Ciro. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a beautiful sight seeing the big fella striding out from third with thirty to go? Oh yeah, look, that that's in the top five grand final tries that that I've seen. I think it sort of sticks really hard in the memory. It was just a phenomenal piece of football. Um, if they'd won that game, um, that's the, your iconic moment, I think, is that try. Um, it really had me, like, you know, like I've watched a lot of games. I've also know the result of this game and I got off my feet like, for that try. Yeah. Like, it was just like, oh, wow, I have a go at that. Yeah. And um, one part of it that I think that you've neglected there that I just want to bring up, because, again, you talk about seeing players that we didn't, we don't remember, but we know how good they were. And a person who had a key role in that try was Blocker Roach. Put them away down the blind side. Yeah. Um, he's thrown a pass in it. Now, watching quite that clever game, with the he ball, was, Oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. He was phenomenal. He, he had a lot of big charges, as you'd expect, but he was so clever. Like, the passing he was doing, he had that real English way of, like, he'd slip a ball back on the inside or he'd pass outside. He had that way. He sort of... The, the modern-day equivalent of the passing side of the game was James Graham's, the last one I could think yeah. of that was very good like that. Well, maybe, but then he maybe, also had that big... I was going to say, maybe Jake, Jake Trebojevic, maybe be the other one. Yeah, yeah Jake Trebojevic and James Graham, he had that element, but then he also had your big, rumbling size going on. Like, you know, your Petros and those guys who, who or even Lazarus, who, who played well in that game too, running over the top. He had that, and he'd have a look at the line, and he'd either power into you with his sort of real size and, and aggression, and then he also... When it was on, he passed inside to to Ciro a couple of times. He threw that, you know, that was on down the blind side. There's five eights playing the game now who aren't clever enough to do what he did there to have a look, see what's in front of him, and give the right ball. It was, it was it's just really um, clever football, and it's it's very funny to think you, you go at the end of that game and talk about the Tigers blowing that lead. It's quite stunning that they had that lead. Which oh yeah, is what we were getting at there is that they were hammered on the try line for a long time and they held them out beautifully. And then they've scored off an intercept and then scored this absolutely incredible try not long before half time. We it was almost like how have they gone in in front? You might have thought how did they lose it, but you also went in going how did they get that far in front? What, yeah, what happened in the game? It, and that's it. Like you couldn't. You, like it, it was 
and I'm going to get it, but a little bit after half time, after about 50 minutes, when Canberra have had a couple of goes at them and they keep dropping the ball and the last pass, and like, mm. there's a real sense that it's just Balmain are just having their, they're just having a day. Like it's just going to happen for them because everything yeah. they've absorbed all the pressure, absorbed all the pressure. The two tries they scored, like they've scored one off a kick that bounced the wrong way, and an intercept. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just happening for them. Yeah, and and well, I think right. if, you, if you get to half, like you go to half time. You, you have to think, well, if the Raiders haven't scored by now, where's it going to come from? Yeah, that's right. And look, the, I think what's very unfair to sort of jump into the second half, I think what's very unfair is the concept of the Tigers blowing that, is I just don't... They, yeah. Their defence to save those tries in the first half was phenomenal, and they did not give that away in the second half either. They made it so hard for them to score. They gave them a million chances. I'll sort of grant you that you might say they could have held on to the ball a lot better but yeah. their defense was that wasn't a side giving up the ghost like they were first and second half they just saved try after try against a team where you got Mal Meninga coming at you Laurie Daly coming at you Stewart hitting guys long up Bradley Clyde was so good and these guys and they just kept turning him away and away and away um it was it was a really fascinating contest it really was I've not seen a lot of games like that it was very yeah, yeah. just the, the way that they, they might have kept turning the ball over. They were so phenomenal in defence and the Raiders were throwing a lot at them but not scoring. There wasn't a sense that they were attacking badly. It was no. just them finding ways to, to stop tries. A lot of yeah, they, I'd just, love to know what the possession was. Oh, the unbelievable. It, it evens up a bit in the second half, but the, yeah. it, um, they're incredibly dogged. Um, Hugh, Graham Absolutely. Hughes, and you, what you say, right, Graham Hughes sort of atoned for his Gary Jack call because he said, after about, with five minutes until halftime, just before Siren had scored, he's already called it. He said, start reaching into the record books. This is a classic, one of the great grand final openings of all time. Um, the, mm. the, like it was, it, the whole, it's not as if, well, you think about um, maybe the Cowboys-Broncos grand final, for example, where the ending is incredible and it's very dramatic in the last 20 minutes, but like it kind of builds up to that point. It's a fairly ordinary game for a, a fair bit of that time. This is a mm. different story. They're, they're at each other all the way through. Yeah, I think that's what I was getting at with the 97 thing. Now, 97 was, was pretty good because it started with us beating the crap out of them and, and you know, all the chief and spud and all that sort of thing. But that's sort of, I guess, what I was getting at is this whole game is just of such a standard that I, I haven't seen many games go, you know, it wasn't 80 minutes, about 100, wasn't it? It was 10 each way. Yeah. But it, the whole game was of that frenetic standard. It wasn't a patch where, you know, 97 starts with us really going and then it settles into a game of football and then it gets frenetic late. And then the Cowboys Broncos has got some real highlight plays where the Broncos score some great tries. And then there's the frenetic finish. But it, in this game, it was very much the whole game was, was at that was level. Just drama that and level. incident yeah. all the way through. Could I just ask, I don't know if you got this on your, um, on the, the version that you watched, why were the Belmain bench players wrapped in blankets? Can I don't you, have an answer for did, that. Did you um, see that? Did you get onto I that? Did. Yeah. I did. They, when um, when Sirenen goes over, they cut to the bench and you've got Kevin Hardwick and others wrapped in these enormous kind of like blankets that your grandmother would have. Um, I just it, it just struck me because they keep saying how hot it is and how they're gonna kill each other if they keep playing this 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 well on a bit on a bright sunny day. Um, it just struck me as very odd. There was a time in sort of sports science law that is 
probably thankfully passed now that there's the idea of staying warm was very important. Like there's the concept of being warm. And I remember even in the mid nineties, when I was going to the Knights games uh, back at the old marathon, they did have these big, they weren't blankets, but they had these big coats all the time. Like you come off the field. Yeah. I do have, these, have like Mark Sargent or something coming off the field after playing 60 minutes in the front row. And going into the, this huge park. It like, looks like he's in the Arctic. They were like, yeah. um, they used to have, and you don't see them at all now. They used to have these big cloak things. They looked like it was yeah, kind of, they it. look like, wizards or something with the with the hood um yep. yeah so 12 2 at half time and another i'll give you one more moose call he describes mm. sirenin as big as a draft horse slow as an ordinary hack um which is <laughs> quite good i don't think he was that slow not, I not really he was pretty good he sort I of was very damaging he could have covered <laughs> the ground fairly well um, yeah, yeah. I think um, very good runner of the balls here, and he was—I was very impressed yeah. with him. I thought he was—he was just damaging when they—they they used him as a, you know, he, he wasn't a a workhorse. He was a guy they got in when they wanted to damage them, and he was very damaging um, in that way. You thought he ran the ball powerfully and hard, very well. I was very impressed with him. He's one of my favourite players in that game. I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was good. Um, and then after half time, it's kind of there's about ten or fifteen minutes where the Raiders have a few goes at them. Um, and but it's just not happening for them. And then they have one more go. They turn the ball over. The one where Wayne Pierce drops the ball coming off his own line mm. and then charges across and makes one of the best cover tackles out on the wing to put the Raiders winger into touch. And you kind of go, geez, this is just, you know, this is how it's yeah. going to be. They can't, they can't crack them. And then yeah. the turning point seems to be Bruce Maguire, who gets up to play the ball coming off his own line and for some reason does the tap and go due to no marker and like kind of hides behind the bloke who was offside, who was kind of supposed to be the marker and just kind of starts tractor stepping up the field, stuck to the back of this bloke. And Bill Harrigan yeah. said, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that. It's a shepherd and gives a penalty to the Raiders. I don't really understand any of that. I watched that. Well, that I'm that, glad that, you said that. That, that doesn't... I, I, I... Yeah. It just doesn't accord to any piece of football I've ever seen in any I'm modern time. i said that. So <laughs> by my watching, because I, I wrote this down as well as the turning point in the game, which is very unfair because the, the, the Tigers continually invited them back into the game. Yeah. So it's a bit unfair to sort of put it on Bill Harrigan here. But that's a dud. I watched that. Now, he got him, according to the commentary I was watching, they got him for being off. They got him for doing the tap when there was a marker. Um, ah. that, that's what I was given. And now I urge you to watch it at the end of this and I'll be chasing you up to make sure you do because these things are very important to me. But he is not straight. Like he is a mile off, like a dead well, set. Like he is nearly adjacent to him. And Bill, as in his typical dickhead fashion that he is, has just <laughs> made the complete wrong call and really stuck by it and allegedly stuck by it for years afterwards. According to the contrast. Yeah. And it's a dud. It's a dud. And it does, like, it's a really blatantly wrong decision. And I think what you're saying is right. He shepherds behind him. The way he runs is he taps it and then sort of runs behind him, which sort of then yeah. gives the impression that he'd been straight where he wasn't. He was a mile sideways. Yeah. A mile sideways. So Channel 10 at the time, and I don't know if this is because mm. of the, they, you know, being in the game at the time, understood the rules yep. of that time yep. they called it as a shit they gave the they said it was a penalty for a shepherd for using an offside player as a shepherd which may which might well have been a rule yeah. in those, i don't okay. know if that's a rule that would have really just wiped robbie farrer and danny Baderas out of the code like adrian well, morley style like, well, that's down, it, right? they run out of the game yeah because in penalized the, out of the sport well with the guy with the rules as they are now if you run at a marker like that from dummy half he'd be caught offside you'd get the penalty not him if you ran into him um it was bizarre 
It just that was my favourite thing about Baderas used to do. We used to get them, run behind them, and actually use them as a shepherd to make twenty meters. So they'd be yeah, trying yeah. to run and on they, side, they can't and you just anything. run behind them, yeah, and yeah. just keep going. But that I agree, that really was the turning point. And um, one thing about that, I just wanted to to, to mention because you brought up Bruce Maguire. So um, there was a lot of guys we were looking to watch in that game. Uh, you, you, you know, your Lazaruses and your Stewarts yeah. and, and and Wayne Pierce. Can I say so? Watching that game, I've, I never heard of Bruce Maguire, um, as I said. So I was born in 89, um, never got to see him play, hadn't heard of him. And I was so impressed by mm. him in that game where I thought he looked as good as every forward on the field. So I went and, I went and um, looked up his stats and stuff at the end of the game. And, and um, he, he played five origins and two tests all in from 89 on. So from about that year, he sort of had a little run for a year or two. He yeah. ended up playing a hundred and something games all up, but he had a little run from that season of playing rep football. And I was really pleased. It sounds stupid. So many stuff to say you were pleased, but he was really good. Like, and yeah. I'm glad that he was, and, and I'm, I'm pleased. One of the things being a bit of a nutter about the sport, I'm now pleased to know about him because he and really that your eye, And pleased that your eye was yeah. on the money. That you were on the well, It was on the money. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, watching him, he looked as good as anyone going around, I mean, a couple of big name players had had worldy games, but he was not out of place against anyone in that game. He was damaging with the ball. He was dangerous. He had an offload. He looks a lot like Blocker yeah. um, with his size. He was very similar. It was hard to tell him apart a couple of times. And he was very, very good. And the other thing I, that you'd brought up, Piercy, that I wanted to mention um, a couple of things about him. You mentioned his cover tackle. And, and um, firstly, off the cuff, uh, that could be like him watching him play could be Mitchell Pierce with a mullet. Like they are so yeah. alike. Yeah. It's quite stunning. They're even the same size. Like it's just that forwards are big and if he came through now, he'd be playing halfback. Like they look <laughs> exactly the same. That It's quite stunning. But on his game, it was quite funny because he made a lot of errors in that game. Uh, Wayne, he, he dropped one with the, the line wide open after the, yeah. the ankle tap and he, he dropped maybe three or four balls. And every time he dropped one, I'd go, Oh, you know, geez, he, he, he's got some, some errors in his game. I know I'm only watching one game, but every time I thought that he'd then do something else like yeah. that made you go, Oh no, nah, shit. He, he's the real deal like that. He dropped that ball and then he banged someone in that cover tackle that over the sideline. And there's one yeah. tackle on, there's a tackle in the first half and there's nothing going on. It's just, yep. he just, he just nails Glenn Lazarus. On halfway. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. He just comes up, whack, have that. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> Lazarus, knowing what you know about him and how big he was and one of the yeah. best forwards in the game. And he just sits him, like, just drops him with a, yeah. with a perfectly, you know. So my, my, my old man played with uh, juniors with Wayne Pierce against him, mm. you know, sort of um, yeah. as, a, as a kid and teenager. And, all, and he apparently was the same all the way. He, he just had that, his tackling technique was so good. He, regularly send kids to hospital not through foul play just through getting them in the ribs yeah you know straight up bang shoulder all over kids off the hospital yeah. and he, that, that's know. that's what i sort of noticed it's just um not even just his defense but just that every time i thought an, of an error you know trying to judge someone in one game is a bit silly but i'd go oh geez he's got a few errors he's made a few mistakes that have cost him here but every time there was that inspirational other side like he'd drop a ball and then he'd clobber a guy and he lazo this was the only time Lazo got hit like that all, ga- all day and probably in his career. And then yeah. late in the game, even, there's a play where they spread it from the fullback. Like Gary Jack gets it. They make a 40-metre break. It might even be extra. No, it's not extra time. I think it's... Um, no, it is extra time. It is because they need a field. Yeah, and he turns and they, up and they, gets on the... Yeah. Yep. Turns up out of nowhere to get yeah. on side for a spread and makes yeah. a line break where the line break's not, not what's impressive because 
it was on once the spread was on, but he has to go from defending, run back 50 metres on a kick and get in position in case Jimmy Jack throws a giant pass the other side of the field. There was just every time I sort of, not doubted him, but just thought, geez, he's got some some stuff in there that's not helping him today. He'd do something where you go, oh, that's yeah. just leading, like hard leadership, like skill. Yeah, he, he was had some intangibles quite clearly about his game. Yeah, there's another one early on. Stuff, in, in, yeah. I think it's in the first half when they're... Um, when they're coming off their own line, it's when they're getting turned around a lot um, and, mm. and getting pinned, like, pinned on their own line. And he just, all the, the, the commentators say, oh, the Balmain forwards are walking. You know, they're, they're spent. It's been, it's been 20 minutes. And he's just back there, you know, and takes a run when the other guys are back on halfway. Now, of course, after the Bruce McGuire thing, uh, they, Canberra then score finally through mm. Belcher and it's 12-8 after Meninga yeah. kicks the goal. And then Balmain really, from there, I think if you were going to say, I think if you were going to be critical of Balmain and, and say that they kind of, you know, uh, cost themselves, that's the that's the period, isn't it? Between the kind of, like, between the, mm. from the 60th minute to the drama at the end, they have a lot of this, three things that jump out at me, the, or four things, actually. There's a bomb from, a, from Benny Elias, which Brasher drops in front of the posts, yeah. which if he catches it, they're about 12 on one to his right. If he can catch it and get it away, it's not easy. But if he had, it was on. Um, then there's two things, which I'm going to come back to. And then there's the Benny Elias field goal. But I think possibly the most dramatic period of the match, Mick Neal, they spread the ball out to the left. Gary Freeman hits Mick Neal, who turns up out of nowhere into the line. And I've watched that. I've watched this game somewhere between five and ten times, bits and pieces of it. Every time I've watched it, including today, I, knowing the result and knowing what actually happens, I think he's going to score. How does he not score? I've got no idea. I, 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 there's just a wide open line. And it's unbelievable. Piece of defence is, um, you know, it, it's Mel Meninga. Yeah, it is, and that's what I was going to say. When you look back at guys' careers, there's stuff that just there's always moments that define them, and you know, like there's moments like you talk about Joey going down the blind side in '97 versus Ben Hunt dropping the ball on the ground. Like there's moments that define your career, whether you get them right or wrong. And, yeah. and Meninga to make that tackle there where he is beaten cold, there's nothing there, and he gets at the full stretch of his fingers and gets the perfectly timed ankle tap on him. It's just one of those mo- like it's one of those big game, big player moments that he's just, you know what I mean? Like he's playing yeah. against a guy who's not at his level and he's beaten cold and he just does something that very few players in the game would have pulled off. Like he just finds a way And then there's a, there's a couple of... It's I, phenomenal. I, uh, yeah, there's a couple of moments, there's a couple of bits of Ma- that, that Mal Meninga does like that. Mm. He does that. Yeah. Then he, ch- he, he charges down the first Elias field goal attempt. It's him that does the Gizzy, charge down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's Meninga. And then he absolutely belts Elias when he gets it back. And then in the second bit of extra time, and we'll talk more about extra time in a minute, but he, he takes a carry off the first set of second of the second half of extra time when there's when the Raiders have been spinning their wheels a bit on their own line and there's a sense maybe the Tigers can get some field position here. And he just takes this carry of about 15 or 20 metres and completely changes the momentum and yeah. ends whatever hope the Tigers might have had of pinning him down that set to start the second half. It, yeah, yeah, he... Um, he really did. He didn't do that much in the game, really, but he had those couple of bits and yeah, pieces. Key that, moments. Yeah, moments. Um, yeah. I've got a very passionate view. You're talking about the 60th sort of minute and some things that changed the game or things that define the game and with the Tigers dropping on. I have a very passionate, very strong view that I actually 
got angry about watching the game now. All right. So I'm going to put it out there quite quickly now. So Warren Ryan, who was one of my favourite coaches in the history of the sport, cost them that grand final. Dead set cold cost them that grand final. Why on earth he took Steve Roach off the field? And I know that's been a generic comment over the years. They say, why did he take Blocker and Ciro off in that game? Fair dinkum, Blocker Roach was close to the best player on that field. And not only was he close to the best player on the field, he just had a dominant 10 minutes. Like he had made in the last few sets. And um, I urge you to watch it back for the timing of this. Before that run, I was making notes saying Blocker has just come to the fore here. Like he'd stopped passing and started storming over people, like winding his eyes up. He had those sort of sort of the David Clemmer eyes going where he started pumping his legs and just going and he carried three or four on him three or four times and bent them and carried them. And you look at what Elias might need late in the game and it's that sort of platform to, to win. And he's there leading forward. Uh, I know, you know, Wayne Pierce is, is as well, but in terms of attacking, like he's your big unit carrying the ball the most and, and leading your way. And I just can't comprehend why they took him off and it was almost a concession that they'd stopped playing that they brought on defensive sorts of players to stop points and they hadn't played that way all day and for the record they'd been stopping points all day like they genuinely had been on the back foot in the whole game and just managed to counter punch enough to get themselves in the in the lead and he i I just i can't fathom why he was taken off the field he he was so good i'm gonna defend the walk a bit here i i understand what you are no, I am gonna I am gonna defend the walk. Yeah. They had done so much tackling and they'd done so much work and I can just understand why you would have thought these couple of big this this big bloke we need to get to they, the bloke that he brought on, Kevin Hardwick, was a was a kind of notorious tackler. Mm. I can mm. see what he was thinking, that keeping in mind they were eight points in front, all they probably all they needed to do was work a field goal and keep tackling. That fifteen minutes to go. Like I can see I can understand why he took him off and I can understand why he then took Ciro off later on. Um, yeah, I can look, see I what he was thinking. I can see what he was thinking intellectually, but it overlooks a couple of human elements as well because you're still Steve Roach, like you're in a game, yeah. and he's Steve, like he's Blocker Roach. He's their big name, big meter forward, and the big sort of game player in your big game. Like this is the grand final, and you need those guys on the field. Like when yeah. you know, like when you get into a grand, you need him on the field. And and I think what uh, I know what you're saying, but they, they, it is. Once you shut up shop, you shut up shop. And it was almost like they did shut up shop and stop playing as much there and stop looking to score points and started trying to defend the lead, which, which didn't work. And, and the risk of that, of course, is that thing, what happened is that they, when they then had to start playing properly again, when it got back to 14 all, they were never going to be able to... Yeah. They, they never showed any indication they might... Way. Yeah, they were never going to win in, the, in extra time because they just they had, no, had no threat because they no put, a lot of, put a lot of defensive kind of players out there. We, uh, and the other thing, yeah. just to flow on from that, uh, what I wanted is, uh, I feel very strongly about this, is that I think <laughs> the other thing that goes, it really bothered me, it was really, I, I can't cop it, the, the thing that really stands out at it is how good Bradley Clyde and Glenn Lazarus were in the last oh, yeah. minutes. So, talk about people being tired, and I know the Tigers did a lot of tackling, but you had this contest where I think one of the fascinating contests on that field was Lazarus and, and Roach, and um, Clyde and, and sort of Pierce and those guys, and all of a sudden... Roach is off the field and Lazarus is, 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 you know, he's just, he keeps doing what he was doing and laying this platform and the Tigers have lost theirs. And, yeah. you know, in extra time, Sirenin's not on the field and he was damaging people and like Clyde's still damaging people. And these guys are, are doing that. Dean Lance was very good. He was damaging people. Wasn't and all he, of a sudden, wasn't he a good weapons, defender. Wasn't he a good tackler, Dean yeah. Lance? He played a couple very of... well on both sides of the ball. He was very good, but they, they just lost those guys in a, in, if you've got a game and I know what you're saying with defenders and doing this, 
this and that. But when you're in a grand final, if you had the game for your life, you just want Steve Roach on the field, yeah. not the guy on the bench. Like, and the, just, fact that that he was, the fact that he was filthy about yeah. it probably gives you some idea. Um, you know, the fact that, that he certainly felt that he, he could have been... Um, yeah. You know, he could have done something, could have helped. Um, yeah, I just don't I, think he looked tired. He didn't look tired. He was he playing the he best look, portion he'd had. He didn't yeah. look tired when they told him to come off. Um, no, no. And, I thought, just thought he was going well. Anyway. That's, uh, just a couple of things about the penalty goal to go 14-8. Mm. Um, oh, just <laughs> before that, actually, yeah. the, the peers drop. So McNeil gets ankle-tapped mm. the yard out. They yeah. then spread the ball. They've got 15 on one to the right. Pierce drops the ball. Did you know, I know I read about this after the game, he played at least a part of his career with a detached retina in his left eye. Yeah, I heard that during the game. Blurred he vision. Yeah, he doesn't see, didn't see well out of his left mm. eye. Didn't see the ball mm. well. Saw a, you know, saw a blur coming towards him. Didn't catch it. Unbelievable. And Gary well, it's interesting because, yeah. Well, and, and Gary Jack in extra time when he drops mm. that bomb, yep. he just dislocated his finger. Yeah. And, you know... Yeah, um, the same thing with Pierce. Pierce throws an intercept to a Canberra player an extra time when they're on a break. Like they've made a yeah. run and he hits a guy on his left side. Like he's making a run and the Canberra guy's trying to get inside. And he hits, yeah, again, just going to the eye thing. He, yeah. It was on his left side. He's hit a guy on his left that he feasibly couldn't see he wasn't his teammate. But um, Can I just hopefully that was part of the age-old rugby league thing of the opposition calling for the ball because that's I one of my favourite things ever. When you're chasing the ball back. I'm never tired of that. Enemy on the that's yeah. a penalty in rugby union, you know. If you, if you call it, for the ball from the other team, it's a penalty. Yeah, if they throw yeah, it to you. It's a stupid sport, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, it takes a little fun. You've encourage that. It's what people it, Absolutely. Say. There's a couple of beautiful moments of unprofessionalism in of like mm. sort of pre-2000s rugby league in the, uh, in the penalty goal that go 14-8. One of them, the clock, Bill Harrigan calls time off and the clock doesn't stop and they lose 40 seconds while Curry is setting up Good. the kick and then he calls time off late. Everyone's booing and carrying on. Mm. <clears throat> also, the graphic, when they, I don't know if you got this on the version you watched, mm. but they put the score up as 12-10. <laughs> they put the wrong, <laughs> they, they, they gave the points <laughs> to the wrong team. On the, I hope that was up on the actual scoreboard too. Can you, can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it is um, good. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the graphics because we got the the graphics before the game looked like sort of like Pong era. Like they had the yeah. Tigers logo on the screen, and it was so jilted. It looked like seventies. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. The the broadcast, the Channel Ten broadcast, is beautiful because they keep throwing to the State Bank replay, and it was in the good old days where you still had music played over the footage, like really old timey kind of music over the top of the State Bank replay. Beautiful. Um, and the foot, just um, just talking about something that's gone out of the game. When did they stop showing the footage from the leagues clubs on Grand Final Day, and why? It's it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Balmain Leagues Club Raiders, it's just fantastic. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's always the, the same. Every year, it was always the same thing. It was just people in the colours carrying on, and yeah. when they scored, yeah, so right. you, you know, um, in the black and white era, they could have showed the same footage every year. But why did they stop yeah. doing it? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm just going to, like, on spec call why they might have done that. I'm going to suggest that it either is going to be 99 or 2000. And I'm going to call it because I know they did it in, in 97. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of footage of that. I'm going to call that St. George Illawarra, they wouldn't have known what leagues club to go to and there That's wouldn't true. have been one in Melbourne. wouldn't have been one in Melbourne. That's true. Yeah. And yeah, the I equivalent can't. is that 2000, you can cop the Broncos, who, who are far too fancy fancy to have a leagues club, probably, um, uh, playing against East, who... 
you don't have any fans. So I'm <laughs> suggesting that it, it just fell That's out of the true. game at about that point. I don't think they did it in 2001 when the Knights. No, won. I don't think I they did either. Remember I can't remember that. any so, Leafs club footage. It's a shame. Could like St. Warras. St. Warras yeah. versus Melbourne could have killed it, if you think about that's, it. About that's that true. Jeez, mm. there's a, if, if we've got any people, if anyone out there sort of trying to get their hands on some of that Tom Brock request, uh, bequest money, that might mm. be the way to go. Uh, an investigation mm. into leagues club footage on grand final day. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, so I guess that brings us to the last 10 minutes or the last five minutes mm. and the working for the field goal and Benny hitting the crossbar. And... Uh, there's not really a lot to say about it. It's just kind of, they set up. They're just unlucky. They set up reasonably well. They, you know, they give it to the bloke who wanted to, I will note, we talked about Gary Freeman, the the wonderful subtlety of going into dummy half and pointing to the goalposts before throwing the, (laughs) before throwing it on Penny Elias. It's really like, it's really not giving anything away, playing cards close to the chest. Yeah. It's good enough. It was good. Um, It, Oh, I don't like to bring things back to Newcastle like yeah, too much, sure. but I'm going to. If I could remind me of the Kirk Yidley wonky drop goal that he got, like it was yeah, just he did Brisbane, it yeah. like, It's all very well to say, and I will say it's horribly unlucky and, yeah. and all of that. But he didn't hit it that well. Like he was 20 meters out and hit it dead flat. He did, I think if you're hitting the crossbar, what are you doing? Like he hit the crossbar from 20 meters out. I think if you're hitting the crossbar, so flat. It's a very funny relationship to kicking in that gun. There seem to be a lot of like yeah. the, the commentary. There's a lot of like whooping up of good kicks that find touch that yeah. really conveyed no apparent advantage to the other team. Yeah, it's yeah. very funny. Yeah, it's like, right. oh, what a wonderful kick by Ricky Stewart. Like, there was one by Mal that went into touch 30 out from the, like, in, on the 30. And they said, oh, what a wonderful kick. Yeah. Fantastic. Big advantage here to the Raiders. Yeah. Um, hey, that's funny you mentioned that. It's just to jump back in the game a little bit was that something I missed in the first half and it, it stuck out. It kept happening during the game but it was a key point early on, is that they kicked on tackle three in the first set of the game. Yeah. They kicked after three tackles, and they did that a lot. Both teams were kicking. They almost wanted to be... It had this real rugby union sense of wanting to play for territory. Like, they'd get to yeah. tackle three, and you'd be better off putting it down the other end um, than holding on to it. And I wonder if it's just when we talked about them throwing the ball around a lot more and being more aggressive. I guess the more the other teams being aggressive, the more likely you want them to have the ball down their own end to make an error. Whereas in the modern game, when they're so intent on completing at 80, 85%, you're better off having the ball, you know, for an extra tackle or two yeah. because they're not going to drop it anyway. They're going to make five plays and kick it back and you're going to play territory. But if guys are going to throw it around and throw flick passes in their 20, why wouldn't you kick it down the <laughs> three and I think get Benny the, to throw a flick pass around the goal there was, there, was a, there was a real sense that you're, sort of your team having the ball might be a bit of a liability the way they were both playing. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. You better get it down the other end and let Benny try on a three-on-two <laughs> flick pass under yeah, his yeah. goal post. So yeah, see what you got. You know, whereas today, they're going to take five hit-ups from dummy half and a kick. You're better off holding the ball. But it's um, yeah. it was it was fascinating from that point of view, sorry to jump you back in. No, not at all. Bit, you're you're right. Um, there was a lot it of happened that. a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then you get to uh, you get to the end of the game. Chris O'Sullivan mm. is kind of the he's kind of the guy here. He, he puts the bomber up from I think mm. from dummy half for memory, which comes down. Mm. And and Chica Ferguson, it's an incredible run mm. back. Again. Is, he yeah. makes about four people fall over, but also is there a sense he might have just gone for the corner? No, you got to take it on. Like he kind of, especially the way Mal was kicking. I don't think was, you do. That's true. But, but like, is that the calculation? Like, yeah. just, he catches it. He gets the ball, yeah. and he's one on one with the winger. He's the quickest bloke yeah. in the league. Yeah, he's got. He's, he's quite a way in field, but he decides yeah. to come back through the traffic, past about six people, three of whom slip over because he's so agile. Yeah, and and brings and scores next to the posts. 
I don't think he does much thinking. I think he's very instinctual. I think he didn't sort he of a, sees something and he took it on. He an incredible he, um, game. He's unbelievable. Seem I don't to remember. think anyone tackled him the first time. In no. Game. I watched every time he ran the ball, he beat a tackle every time he ran. Um, and the I thing don't about know. him is that at this point, yeah. you've got to remember, he's in his late 30s by this point and like quite deep yeah. in his like I, I know yeah. a bloke who used to play on the wing for Newtown and mm. in the mid-late 70s, and he broke his leg in the first trial of 1979, I think, mm. and yep. they brought Chica Ferguson down from Glen Innes to replace him. Mm. Now, now, that's in 1979. He was yeah. regarded, I think, he wouldn't tell anyone at Newtown how old he was. Yeah. Refused to, refused to show any identification. But there was a view that he was probably about 28 at the time. He'd been playing cool. in Glen Innes for quite a long time. So I'm suggesting by the time of 89, he's kind of late. He's kind of 37, 38. Um, How many games did he play, Chica? Oh, I can find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's give us a look. Um, what, you, know, you know, again, to, it's going to be something that's a constant theme is my comparing players to players just because I see people and they remind me of, of mm. players from certainly usually I'm comparing them to the late 90s and 2000s. So say that um, if you had to modern day him for people who might listen who, like us, were a bit young, um, Nathan Blacklock was a lot of similarities. He's probably a bit more agile than Blacklock, but he had that poise and ability. Like he'd get the ball in a situation where there was some sort of hole somewhere, but you're not really sure how you get there, but he somehow gets there. Like there's three yeah. guys around and it's a bit scattered and it's not like a Kalen Ponga sidestep or a, a running over the top of, or, or, you know, or even a tour bus, a shack step. What it is, is just somehow having the ability to end up in the space. Like he'd go a step this way, a swerve that way and a move. Like he just knew where the, the gaps were. Um, you know, uh, French was a bit like that when he came through as a guy yeah, who, yeah, he who was hasn't a had a great career, but he, he was similar like that. And Blacklock was your poster boy. Finds... Amos Roberts was a bit like that. Yeah. He, he wasn't as quite as nimble as, as Chica was, but those sorts of plays where they just go, there's space there somewhere, but there doesn't seem to be a path to getting into it. And they just do somehow. Mm. And they, he, he was, he had a great game. And, and that try was just, it's funny. I spoke about how good the Tigers try was. There was two tries in the game after the Tigers that are also all time grand final tries. That being oh, one yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, that, that was just a phenomenal piece of football. It, 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 yeah. It, yeah. It's just everything that's as the good way as the, game. the ones you think of now. Yeah. But the game in that, you, there's so many plays in that game that some of them lead to tries, mm. some of them don't where it's just, I've got the ball. Yeah. I've either got to find space or find someone in space. And they just keep the ball moving and keep looking for a gap, yeah. looking for a gap, you know, and there's no great yeah. plan to it. It's just people who are quick and skillful chucking it around and hoping to find something, you know, um, yeah. there's yeah. no, there's so little structure, especially. Yeah. Um, Canberra had a bit of a um, plan of attack going deep and all that kind of thing and um, sweeping mm. out to the, sweeping out to the right, sweeping out to the left. But um, yeah. there wasn't any sense that they were running kind of set, um, no, set sort of runs the fifth tackle. Um, no, not at all. But once he scores, there's kind of, and they interviewed Blocker on the sideline live on oh, the, okay. during yeah. the game, and he sort of, he just, it's, he's just gone. You know, he just sounds like he's yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of all from, over, isn't it? From about ten minutes to go, and I, you know, it sounds silly because I'm, I don't, I'm not a Tigers fan. I'm a Knights fan, but it. it Knowing what the Raiders went on to do, like knowing that they won the competition in the 90s, they played grand finals, knowing they won one in 94, like a lot of these guys won competitions. Um, 
knowing the Tigers didn't, I felt sick the last 10 minutes. Yeah. All of it felt sick because I got the sense the game had turned on them like you did. Like it was, I know, I know the result, but like you could see it. It, it had turned on them. They yeah. weren't probably going to win that game. No one was really doing anything to turn that tide. And I, I, I felt, felt that they... these guys were such good players. And they just didn't, they didn't win one. And they were, you could tell what a good, just watching this one game, what a good side they were and how good yeah. these guys and were. Tough, and tough and wholehearted, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's it. And, and it, it felt... Like, if you could go back and swap that, knowing what Kim did later, like, I feel like it would be fair to turn that result. Yeah. And, just and they were also... Like, they were, that one. Yeah. They were, kind they, of gr- oh. they were kind of grandee club of Sydney and all that. Like, they were a big club. Yeah. They hadn't won one for 20 yeah. years. Yeah. It's, um, They'd lost yeah. the grand final before as well. Like, and lost and in really, like, really rough, kind of like the Ellery Hanley thing and all that. Like, it was really kind of unfair. That, you know, the yeah. best players... Do you think that had changed the game? Well, Ellery Hanley Ellery in this Hanley game. Oh, I reckon. <laughs> I think some damage. I think there's. A, I yeah. think if you. I think if you take out eighteen-year-old um, Tim Brasher and put in Ellery Hanley, yeah. I think you're sort of on your way. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bad Brasher, but yeah, I take your point. Yeah, he was yeah. There. It's yeah, interesting. We're talking somewhere. Talking about English imports, I'm going to take it extra time. There's a fella comes mm. on. So Andrew Courier was an English import. Yes, but so was Sean Edwards, who comes on. He's yeah. the last yeah. sub. He comes on right at the end, um, and sort of tries to do something. He was. Um, and unbelievably decorated. He's the most decorated player in English rugby league history because he won so many titles with Wigan, so many Challenge Cups. Yeah, right. And he is now okay. the de- and he's now uh, a very, very prominent coach in rugby union. Was the defence coach for Wales and is now the defence coach for France, and has made mm. this really good career as a rugby union uh, sort of assistant coach. But okay. the point that I really wanted to bring out about Sean Edwards is that. He once, on a British tour to Australia, taped over the British coal logo on the front of his jersey in support of the miners' strike. <laughs> What's that? That's Good fantastic, enough. mate. Yeah. Um, taped over look, the... No, I'm not wearing that. It's just sort of... Wow. It's good enough. It's fantastic. I mean, yeah. Speaking of that, if anyone happens to listen to this... Yes, um, in the unlikely event... Yeah, yes. Morgan is very keen to get his hands on a British coal jersey if anyone can well, find one because they're phenomenal football jerseys. Well, I'm, I'm now concerned. Well, they are, but I'm now yeah. concerned they might have kind of Thatcherite connotations. I might not be able to, you know, I, I, I might well, have to we, abandon that dream, take the Sean Edwards, or maybe just tape it over, Sean Edwards style. Yeah. It's a shame. That's, well, that's what I was going to suggest, you taping yeah. it and getting around, getting around coaching with the tape. <laughs> yeah. Good um, thought. I... Uh, I had one other thought on the English imports. Mm. Um, yeah, this is, you know, I, I called that Warren Ryan and Bill Harrigan so far have changed the results. Now, yep. here's another comment. So I don't know if it came through on what you're watching, but did you know that for the last five minutes, they have to have the clock obscured? No one knew how long was to go. Oh, it, to, well, yeah. on the field? So, yes, they said you can't know how long is to go. That's what they said on the, 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 the coverage. Said that the, you, they said from now on, we don't know how long is left, is what Ganane said. So if someone can correct me that I'm wrong, yeah. then I'm happy well, to be told. But saw, he said that it gets obscured. So I saw them. They, they were putting as wonderful footage. They, yeah. they were showing, instead of having a graphic ticking down the time, yeah. they would just mm. show an inset shot of the clock at the ground ticking down. Yeah. And they yeah. pop that up on the screen. And I, for memory, I think it did stop at five minutes to go in, yeah. in each half. Uh, sorry, in, they didn't show in it all time. in the first half, but in, in yep. the match and then in extra time. Yeah, it was amazing. The, the reason I bring that up is that, yes. I think it's quite, quite genuinely, is the last try, right? So Courier, who had quite a good game, by the way, yeah. um, Courier has got the ball in his own half and put in an absolute 
dick of a kick, like grubber yeah. kick, that Mal picks up and they score. What I'm saying is that the clock wasn't on the screen. So he doesn't know how long to go. He had about four and a half minutes left. There was yeah. quite a bit of time left in the game. But he's looked up at that scrum or yeah, yeah. whenever they got the ball. There was a turnover. So we're on it. I'm and to, the clock's now not never. So, yeah, every play that you get from that point you think is the last play in the game, which is a horribly unwave, unfair way. And there's no reason to play that way. Like, there's no, no reason for them not to know. But he's got the ball. And I remember thinking, how bad was that kick? He's yeah. on his 20. He's thrown a grubber kick into the ground. But he thinks that the time's up. And, yeah. again, whether it changes the game, the result is they should have had that set to go downfield and do something and with try it. And, do something. and you've got this guy going, well, I've, I can't die wondering. Like, I don't want to be tackled here and the clock's up. If I think something's on, I've just got to have a go. And like that just seems a really bizarre way to play. I'm all for it being brought back. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but oh, absolutely. Isn't it just like a stunning like? Well, fit, why would you not want the this. players to know how long's left? I remember this from going to local football, like Newcastle Rugby League. They, yeah. there would be no clock at the ground, and you wouldn't know. And people would be looking at their watches and kind of guessing and all this kind of stuff. And you'd have someone, yeah. someone in the timekeeping box would yell out something like, you know, there was all this kind of, or someone on the sideline would yell out to the players, two mm. minutes and all this stuff. Um, but it does build the tension because you don't know exactly. The, the, the siren could go yeah. at any minute. Um, yeah. There's a couple of highlights. That I, I don't want to dwell too much on any extra time because it's kind of, mm. in a funny way, it's kind of the least interesting bit of the match. <laughs> because, it is, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's the least yeah, it exciting because yeah. one team's dead and the other one's kind of... But mm. there's a couple of things I do want to mention. The, the Kevin Hardwick flop penalty... Um, is very, very funny where he just comes clattering over the top <laughs> and just buries yeah. whoever had the ball. Um, and then, and what you say... But can is I make the point on that? That was already yeah. knocked on. He dropped that cold and that yes. call was like, he dropped the ball, but then they don't see the knock on. And then Hardwick does this manic flop over the top <laughs> that they then penalise for like assuming he's dropped, like knocked the ball out in the huge flop. Yeah. But it, that should have been the Tigers' ball. But, uh, but off yeah, the gone. penalty, and, we, and, and for people listening, in the unlikely event that anyone is listening... The next game we're going to do is, is Parramatta and Canterbury from 1998. Mm. The, the missed penalty goal from Mal Meninga off that... Oh, sorry, from Ricky Stewart off that Thank incident. God you're saying this. Yeah. yeah. So he kicks it. Yeah. Tim Brasher, for yeah. some reason, puts his hand up. There's only 30 seconds yeah. left in first half extra time. He puts his hand up and it goes dead mm. off him. So they have to drop it out, which is insane. But then off the dropout, Ricky Stewart launches a field goal from halfway, which he like kicks the absolute guts out of. And oh, misses yeah. on the angle. It's not. It's not too oh, yeah. short. He kicks it into kicked the grandstand. He kicks it yeah. dead from halfway, yeah. but misses like it's. It's not straight. The, yeah. It is so similar to the the Paul Carriage Craig Polamounter incident, which we're going to discuss yeah. in in the next episode of this. Erstwhile every podcast. week for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And every week for the rest. Of, it was unbelievable. It's it's the. Well, you know, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. First as well, what is that? History repeats first as something that is fast. You know. Yeah, look, it's. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to nominate that for what I was going to call the weekly Paul Carriage Award, where we nominate a boneheaded <laughs> moment from the game. So I'm really glad that you've sort of stolen all of my thunder on that. But right. um, it is quite stunning. And just to make it clear, in case we weren't clear on what's happened there, yeah, because that was a missed penalty goal. If it goes out the back, it's a twenty dropout or yeah. a twenty-five dropout in those days. Yeah. But it was going to be a dropout from the twenty. There's Can I thirty it's seconds very left in extra time. Yeah, and, and it's very unlikely. That anyone, it's very unlikely that anyone listening to this who's got this far 
is not aware yeah. of the of the twenty meter dead of the the penalty goal yeah. dead rule. But I do I do take your point. I take your point, but just in case we didn't make clear what happened, if you haven't yeah. seen the game, it's that's that, right. It's he and he didn't really try and catch it. This kick is flying past his head yeah. in the in goal, and he sticks his hand out and just lets it whack into his hand and go dead instead yeah. of going dead without it. And it just yeah, that, I'll tell you the only other thing that's funnier than that. And, and you're right, Sticky Kick's a wonderful attempt to drop goal off it, is that I was watching the recall by Dan Ganane now, because I was watching yeah. it on KO, is that Dan Ganane has tossed out, I wonder if Elias will think about dropping out short here. There's 30 <laughs> seconds left in extra time. Like, there's, there's time for one play in the whole thing. And he's suggesting that they were going <laughs> to kick a short drop out. It really broke me. He did a very good job of pretending he didn't know the, the, the result yeah. and calling it quite well. But that was yeah. just one of my favourite moments. Um, that is the only cool. other thing I'll say about this commentary, which was quite good, is that, yeah. again, him and Mick Ennis did it and Brandy Alexander, and they were very good at making it sound like they hadn't seen the result and that it was live. Yeah. But just now and then, they'd really just bulk themselves up by sort of commenting on a young player that he was going to end up being. Like, Lazo was oh, having yeah, this game. They've gone, geez, I think he's going to go on to have a good career. He'll play a lot of red football. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really sort good of, to drop sort of like, there, but, um, Yeah, sort yeah. of like you and Bruce Maguire. Um, but yes, you're right. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, think, I think we've covered just about everything, but I want to leave you with a... Uh, a comment from the moose. We're talking about commentators. The moose. I've got a couple of things for you, but you go first. Yeah, you know, no, no. The third minute of the second half of extra time. Yeah. Fifteen fourteen. The greatest grand greatest grand final ever played. Fifteen yep. fourteen. And the moose, to to his eternal credit, says, "Oh, nobody's left the ground. They're all staying to see this." <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, good. Really? What's the suggestion they should have been doing at the, back at the leagues? Beat the, beat the traffic. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's just it's wonderful. So it's good to know that commentators, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't changed no. that much over generations. This is not new. The, the commentators saying really busted no. things. Um, look, I'm, I'm happy. No, that, no, I, no. I think final, uh, fi- final, final thoughts. Things yeah, that you've got some stuff to throw at you. Yeah, just means. a couple of um, sort of yes, no sorts of uh, answers. Sure. I'm going to throw you a few. We had a lot of good players in this game, right? Yeah. So I'm going to hit you with it straight up on some contests. Who won the battle? So Clyde good. and Pierce. Uh, Clyde. Made a couple of real half breaks. Um, yeah, yeah Made some great yeah. breaks in the game. The way the game goes with, with it, people going off for good, so once you're off, you're off. They stay yeah. on a lot longer. What I noticed was guys like Clyde come into the game the longer it goes. He yeah. was quiet in the first 20. And the longer the game goes, those endurance guys just get better and better. He had a lot of pace. He ran with great pace, made some real busts. Yep. Uh, yeah, he and was kept pretty, doing it. Yeah, he's yeah. just consistent. Um, Courier, who, who blockers very big on as one of the better English bring-ins. Courier and Daly uh, yeah, out of the centre. So you got winning that one. I didn't think Daly did a lot, to be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't think Daly did a lot in the game. I know he threw the pass for uh, for Ferguson's mm. try, but um, he he was fairly quiet. They didn't get him into the game that much. He also did take a knock early on. Him and uh, mm. uh, I think it was was it him and Courier who clattered into each other. I think in the him first. Him and Brasher. I oh, was a him and Brasher. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he might yeah. have been carrying injury. I, I thought Courier had quite a good game. Um, yeah, you know, I, I have Courier over Daly. Yeah. If you're watching back, you could certainly see what Daly had. Like, he was yeah. dangerous with the ball. But you could on, tell he would, yeah. On the, on day, the game, career. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, what about Gary, Jack, and Belchar? Yeah, probably flip a coin there. I thought they were both so but You could see why they were both good. I, yeah, yeah, you'd see why they were both so good. Yeah. I was going to name Jimmy Jack, but I'm aware that that would probably be against the grain. I think that it, the yeah. common thread would have been Belchar. I just seem to like, I think I just like his style a bit more. But, yeah. um, all right, what about Elias and Boxhead? 
yeah, I thought Elias was, I thought Elias was good. Boxhead didn't didn't run the ball much. He made one good run in the, I think in either late in the game or in extra time. Um, but I think, I mean, Elias was a bigger part of his team. He was he was a more important kind of cog for them than than, yeah. than Walters was. I think to go on a modern day thing, what you had was a, a Farris style player versus a Badera style player. So what you yeah. had was um, uh, Elias was had his fingerprints on everything they did all game, and yeah. what. Steve Walters did was as the game got late, he started getting better and he timed a couple of very key runs and key clever things late in the game when it was on at the business end. But if you look over the course of the game, Benny had his hands on everything they did and Boxhead sat back and let a lot of those other players that he had around him, like your Rickies and your Mals, do quite a lot of the work. So I think I also think Benny probably had him on the day, but I think they were both obviously quite clear why they were good players. Yeah. Um, and and um, I suppose what well, the other one I got here? What have I got here? Uh, Blocker and Lazo. Yeah, that, I I I can see why Blocker was so good. He, he Lazo, yeah, they were both good. I thought Brent Todd was very good as well. Brent Todd, I know, has uh, been so did I. Has yeah. just been has been in the news <laughs> in the last couple of weeks for people who are on Twitter. But uh, yeah, he was. I thought he was very good. Yeah, they, I was about to say that he was the other one that impressed me. That wasn't a name, if, if, yeah. apart from Maguire. I Ed thought Brent. I know he well. was a bit of a name. Edmund mm. was good. Um, Edmund, Edmund was had good. a good game. Um, I, I thought Brent Todd had a quite a strong game as well. But I, I think I thought Lazo showed every bit of what he was. He was fantastic. I just thought oh, yeah. the blocker did everything that Lazo did and had clever, that had been cleverness in that game. I'm not talking about their, their careers. Um, I reckon Blocker shaded him. And as my final one for you, hit me with. Oh, two questions. Who would you have picked for the Churchill? And then secondly, who gets it if the Tigers win? Um, only caveat being it's not because Benny kicked the field goal. They just win on a penalty or something. So you can't give yeah, you Elias can't, yeah. the field goal and give because that probably swings it. So give me who your Churchill was and who would have won it if the Tigers won. I'm, I'm giving the Churchill to, to Ferguson. I, I really? Think, yeah. I think he was fantastic in the game. He threatened every time he ran the ball and he scored. The, he did the most important thing in the game. I, I, I think it was terrific. Chris O'Sullivan's another one that you could give it to. Kick the bomb mm. for the winning try. Kick the field goal to go in front. Um, not a big name in the game, but... Or not as big a name as everybody else, but he he had a blinder. Um, Kicked the field goal off a scrum too, which yeah, is very very rarely. It's wonderful football. Yeah, well, yeah. there's a good story about Mal telling him not to do it. Don't yeah, do it off the strum. Yeah. No, 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 I'm, I'm kicking it. Um, yeah. yeah, if the Tigers had won, the thing about the Tigers is they're two tries. There wasn't a lot. Like mm. you would have to pick a defender or someone who did. Like I think Blocker would probably mm. be close. Siren would be close, but uh, yeah, probably Blocker, I suppose. Yeah, I think I was going to say Blocker. I think Blocker should have won it. If the Tigers win the game, I think Blocker gets it. Um, you know, they obviously don't have the swing against them if he's off and they, they, they still hold on. That You know, I've got Blocker yeah. winning it. Um, and I thought they got it right. I thought it was funny. I watched the first 20 minutes and I thought, geez, Bradley Clyde hasn't done much. And the longer the game went, like, yeah. he was just dominant. I think he was dominant on the field. I thought he showed every bit. I think amongst an incredible team, I thought he firstly got the points on Pierce. And that's a pretty big battle of the sort of one of the better players in the position going around against the young bloke. And he, he the Tigers' strength was their forward pack. And I thought Clyde, all game, was on top of them. I thought that was a really dominant performance. I was really happy to see it because I haven't seen much of him play. Yeah, and we kind I of missed I think they him, got that we? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. That's he was a, injured a lot. Yeah. He was injured when we, we were coming through in the late 90s, the mid-90s. He was injured yeah. a hell of a lot. Um, I, I thought, he, I can't speak highly enough of how he played. I thought he was great. He yeah. deserved oh, yeah, that. that's fair. Well, I could have caught Ferguson. 
yeah. But we're but, at uh, yeah. at this stage. We're at risk of of talking of of making a podcast about the game, which goes longer than the game itself. Um, I, I promise people listening at home um, that they won't all be like this. They won't all be quite so long winded. There is a lot of incident in the nineteen eighty nine grand final, but also it's not really a promise I can keep. Um, no. Now no. We're, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to put this up, and we're going to do nineteen ninety eight preliminary final, Parramatta and Canterbury, uh, also known as the Carriage Miracle. And uh, we're going to stick both of those up at once. And then we're going to ask what we should watch next. And we're going to get you to watch along with us. So if you're listening and you've enjoyed it, um, or even if you haven't. Seems doubtful. It yeah. seems fairly unlikely. But again, you know, <laughs> we've got to, this is an optimistic, uh, yeah. this is an optimistic idea. Uh, I mean, I know it's been long, but I mean, what else are you doing? You know, you're just sitting at home. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, reminiscing about dead football is not the worst way to spend time. So anyway, uh, we're going to stick both these up at once. And then uh, we'll let you know what we're going to watch next and you can watch it with us and uh, send in your thoughts. But uh, until then, Gaz, it's been a pleasure. Any, any final, anything, anything final to add? No, I'm very much looking forward to watching the carriage miracle. Well, there you go. It's good to have something to look forward to. Isn't it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is Morgan Campbell and Luke Garrity signing off from the Rugby League Cemetery. Time, plenty of it. Hits the crossbar. 